Welcome in to Two Guys, One Mike, your college football podcast, coming to you after a full weekend of college football. No, it's not the week one or week zero or whatever you want to call it that we expected maybe a few months ago. Maybe not the September 5th slate we expected, but it was college football, FBS college football at that on our TVs uh, Thursday and Saturday, and it was a lot of fun. Um, JT, welcome in, man. How are you doing? Repeat it with me. Live FBS college football. football. Okay. Beautiful, 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 man. I mean, what more could you ask for in life? Oh, I had a great time last night. It was just nice to sit down, to watch football, to watch real football that I didn't know the ending of. Uh, or obviously, yeah, real football. I didn't know the ending of, and also just to bet on them and to to have the you know slight anxiety of of whether a team was going to cover or the game was going to go over under. It felt like I had purpose again in my life, and I obviously being very dramatic, but it was just really nice. It was great to have college football back, um, and so I'm just doing great, man. I'm riding off that high. We got another game coming up on Monday tomorrow. Um, if you haven't listened to our last podcast. Go check that out because we have a we have also a betting line on that game as well. Uh, Navy BYU probably the best game of the week too. So very excited about that, and I think it is a great indication of, of what's to come next week as the Big Twelve and the ACC games kick off. Yeah, things are kind of just incrementally ramping up here. We started with some, uh, you know, some D two FCS football, and then we got to some FBS football this weekend. And now on Monday, um, it's still not Power 5 football, but it's two really good teams in Navy and BYU, two well-known football teams, two fun football teams. So that's kind of a, of a, a ramp up. And then we finally, Thursday night, get some Power 5 football with UAB Miami. And we finally get some Power 5 v. Power 5 football next Saturday. So we're just slowly ramping up. And it really feels like things begin next Saturday. But, but what we're here to do today, basically – is uh, give you a review of what I'm going to call week zero. I know a lot of people are calling it week one, but in my opinion, it was the first week with FBS uh, teams, but there was no power five team. So it's week zero for me. We're going to review that. There was three to four main games in that. We'll review the weekend that was. We'll also review the locks that were. Um, and then we'll do our SEC win totals. So we'll kind of wrap up our power three that we have this year in win totals. And then after that, you know, from here on out, we're pretty much just looking at doing reviews and uh, of games and doing previews of games and, uh, you know, doing our locks and reviewing our locks. So this is pretty much it for kind of preseason prep, if you will. Yeah, this is really our last weekend where we're not pretty much actively talking about either past games or upcoming games in the college football season. This is really our last podcast. It's more looking at the college football season as a, as a whole in terms of this week we're doing, obviously – or SEC total, or SEC win totals over unders, and so that's this is really the last week of looking at cultural ball as a whole. And then you're right, really getting into next week, we dive in and look at the season week by week, looking back on how we did the previous week, and then of course what's upcoming in the week after. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, so. From pretty much after this SEC segment, we're we're fully into the two times a week with some previews and review pods and lock pods and stuff like that. And we'll be going at it as long as the college football season goes on. And I think every day I get more and more positive, not necessarily because COVID's going away, but I just think that as a society, especially in the South, we're kind of just accepting COVID more and more and just kind of dealing to live with or realizing how to live with it, dealing with it and just kind of accepting the fact that people are going to get it. Yeah. I think it's not so much as accepting it. It's more of just, 
a better understanding of how it how it obviously operates, how it affects the body. Because, you know, I mean, when this first came out, you know, there's suspicion that, you know, for most people, especially younger people, it wasn't dangerous. But we weren't exactly sure. We didn't know how it affected people with underlying conditions. But I think two really big things. I think there's a, a, a very general good consensus of how the virus affects people of younger age and how, you know, while it does pose a threat to people who are older and people with underlying conditions, healthy college athletes typically are going to be okay if they do get this. But obviously we don't want them to. But the other thing too is obviously uh, the big thing is that we now have testing, we have rapid testing, and we have bundles and bundles of, of rapid tests in order that way we can quickly get results. And I think that's really the big thing that's helped get this college football season back on track is that the ability to test and then get those results quickly and do that over and over and over again, I think really helps us be able to play football while at the same time controlling the outbreak of what is still a global pandemic that we're currently living in. All right. Well said. So let's just jump into the Saturday that was, we have three games here. We really want to talk about, and let's start with the army black Knights facing off against middle Tennessee They were three-and-a-half-point favorites going into this game. That's when we locked it up, at least, for Army to cover three-and-a-half. They easily cover three-and-a-half. They win this game 42 to nothing. And I'll tell you what, if you you don't like passing, this was the game for you. Christian Anderson, Army's QB, went two for four for 28 yards. And the Middle Tennessee quarterbacks combined for 16 to 24 for 109 yards. So this was a rushing... Hard-nosed football game, and this is kind of what we talked about when we reviewed this game. I know I, I specifically said the reason I was picking Army because of the COVID, you know, and everything that's been going on this offseason. I just felt good about a team that was going to play hard-nosed football, keep it simple, and keep it on the ground. That's what Army did, and because of it, I, I, I just think it's a lot easier to, after an offseason like this where you couldn't get together much, it's just a lot easier to have a game plan where you're keeping it on the ground, you're keeping it simple. And you got well-disciplined football players. Obviously, all these guys are in the Army themselves, you know, well-disciplined players. And they have just a good idea of what the concept is and what Army wants to do. And because of that, I think that's why they won this game and they won it comfortably. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think you made a ton of great points as to why we were feeling great about Army going into this game. And then obviously what led to such a lopsided result in a 42 nothing win. I, I agree with you. I think Middle Tennessee was a program that was had an okay season last season, was trying to build off it. But was breaking in a new quarterback. And we saw, I think, what we're going to see a lot in college football with these teams who are breaking in new quarterbacks and new coaches. Just everything wasn't clicking for them. They had a lot of mistakes, a lot of turnovers, a lot of penalties, just shooting themselves in the foot, putting themselves behind the chains. When you play a team like Army, who obviously is so disciplined, you know, is so solid in their structure, has a great game plan, you know, follows it to a T. They have a, a returning coach who's been there for a while. They have a system that really works the edge in these games is going to heavily favor those teams that have some consistency in their program. And you're right. The army is the cream of the crop when it comes to consistency in a football program, you know, a returning coach, you know, the obviously very disciplined football players who run a system that they're very, very comfortable with. And also for middle Tennessee, when you talk about it as well, I think another thing is that the triple option offense is so hard to get used to if you have a full off season and middle Tennessee comes to this game on a shortened off season playing a playing obviously an offensive uh, scheme that's really hard to defend against if you don't have much time to prepare for it so I think a lot of things came into to favor for Army I'm still surprised that it was such a, a whopping 42 to nothing scoreline but uh, definitely not surprised that Army gets the cover and that the game goes under so the first two lock unities of the year hit home and hit home pretty comfortably yeah, 
yeah, we touched on last podcast, you know, when we have some lock unities, take it to the bank, put your mortgage on it. And once again, we only had two this week. They were both on this game. And not only do they both hit, but they both hit comfortably, as you mentioned. So a great start for the lock unities, a good start in general for the locks. But let's move on to the next game here. SMU faced off at Texas State. SMU were, I want to say, 21 and a half point favorites when I locked it up, when we did our podcast Wednesday night. At the time of kickoff, it got all the way up to SMU 25 point favorites. They definitely did not cover that. It was just one of those games where they Texas State just always stayed within arm's reach. SMU could just not pull away. Every time it felt like SMU got up seven, it felt like maybe they're going to start pulling away. Texas State would lead a long drive. Um, They would score a touchdown. They would create a turnover. They just found a way to stay in this football game. The better team, of course, found a way to win. Um, That's important to touch on. But in terms of the the lock, in terms of the line at 21 and a half, SMU, it it never really felt like they were going to threaten it. It never really felt like they were going to get to 22 points. And because of that, they do not cover, but but early on, they do get the win. Shane B. Shell goes 26 for 36 for 367 yards. And uh, you're going on the road early on with everything that happened this offseason. You just want to get the dub. That's what they do. But they definitely do not cover 21 and a half. You definitely don't cover, but SMU will be happy with the win. Uh, you're right. Uh, the start first game of the season on the road. Uh, and Texas State is obviously no, I don't think it's a pushover program right now. I think they've got a lot of things going well for them. And, and so this was, a, this was a tough test early for SMU. And again, going with the theme of just – also, I, I feel like we talk a lot about how, you know, these teams are coming off shortened off seasons. But just in general, the first couple of weeks of the season, you're going to see a lot of sloppy football. And that's what we saw in this game. SMU had a couple of turnovers, including one going into the end zone. And you're right, they were just never able to put this game away. Texas State was always able to find a way to stay within arm's reach feel like they were truly in the game and had a chance to win at the end. And, you know, they did have a, obviously a chance to recover an onside kick with less than two minutes left. And if they did, they could have had the ball down seven going into tie, but SMU eventually does recover that onside kick. And you're right, gets out of Texas state with, with a win. And obviously now they look forward into starting the American athletic conference, I think. As well, another AAC versus a Sunbelt matchup here, or, you know, that was, a pretty good game as well. Another game kind of similar. You had Memphis beating Arkansas state 37, 24. They were 18 and a half point favorites only win by 13 kind of similar. They could just never pull away from Arkansas state. Every time it felt like they were going to Arkansas state made a play on defense or made a long drive or had a big plan offense to score a touchdown. They, they showed a lot of fight. Memphis didn't necessarily play bad. I think them not covering has a lot more to do with Arkansas state. They played really well. They had a good pro, uh, kind of a good game plan coming into this game. It was kind of sloppy like we expected. That's why uh, I picked the under, but I get the, I get the lock on the under, but I do not get the lock for Memphis uh, beating 18 and a half. They only win by 13, but overall I think Memphis uh, will be happy to get out of here with a comfortable victory against a good Arkansas state team. Yeah. I think a very similar theme when it comes to the other game, kind of sloppy, you know, the better team obviously wins the game, uh, but it wasn't in a blowout fashion. And, you know, both Sunbelt teams in Texas State and Arkansas State, you know, came in with good game plans, played hard and, you know, fought to the very end and made them both competitive football games. But, yeah, obviously Memphis, the better team. I still can't believe Brady White is a college football player. I feel like he's been in college football for forever uh, over there at Memphis. But a good win for them, a good win for their first year head coach as well. Um, I think that's something that could have been difficult coming into the season. But you're right, they don't cover. They had a chance to cover. They're up. I think they're up 37 to 17. We're up 20, had a chance to cover. 
Uh, eventually give up a pretty late touchdown, which kind of ended up being a backbreaker for the cover. But the under does hit. And, and both games, the, you know, they find the way. I think the underdog team covers and the game goes under. So I think that's something to pay attention to when it comes to betting on on this football season when it comes to obviously the first couple weeks of the season uh, and, you know, these teams coming off shortened off seasons. I think – I don't think that's a coincidence that both of these games went under and that the uh, the underdog covered as well. I think that could be something – to keep an eye on as we continue to watch how this football season unfolds. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, all bets are off maybe five or six weeks into the season once everyone has the rust kind of knocked off. But definitely this first month of the season, I could see underdogs keeping it close just because you're going to have some sloppy games. Um, And the more talented team, although they're going to be more talented, it's going to be harder to put that talent together and, you know, kind of run over a team with all the rust from a a weird offseason. So I agree that, you're probably going to see underdogs, especially if they're at home, keep it a little bit closer. And uh, you're definitely going to see some unders because those games are going to be sloppy as well. And uh, that's a good thing to look for definitely in the next few weeks. So, yeah, the under hits in those two games. Uh, so pretty much for our locks for the week, you so far technically have one more lock that will be played tomorrow. You have Navy, uh, I want to say plus one and a half against BYU tomorrow on Monday. We'll touch a little bit on that on Thursday's pod and how it goes, but for the weekend that was yesterday, I had Memphis going under here, 74. This Memphis-Arkansas State game, that hits. And then I have obviously have the two locks with the under, I want to say like 55 on that Army game and Army covering three and a half against Middle Tennessee. That is also good. And I have the two L's with Memphis not covering and SMU not covering. And then you obviously had your two locks on that same game. That was our lock unity with Army covering three and a half and that game going under 55. So we are five and two, I want to say. So a really good start for the syndicate. Yeah. Very good start for the syndicate. Completely what's expected. I mean, every week I come on this podcast and I'm basically offering free money. What we're doing here, we are basically offering free money to the people. And if they had done what we did, they would have had free money again. Another great week to start off the season, building off of what came off last season, a good five and two start to the week. And obviously if Navy wins, that gets us to six and two. So that would be an incredible start to the week, or incredible start to the season, excuse me, coming off of week one. But yeah, and, and don't forget, I, I do say with that Navy pick, I'm picking plus one and a half for the pod. But if you're going to Vegas, I just say take Navy outright on the money line. Give yourself a little bit better of a return because I think this game wins outright. Yeah, five and two. You've uh, pretty much doubled your money here. So uh, that's a good start. Yes, I agree. All right, yeah, so like I said, we'll keep you in touch on Thursday's pod with our week one locks, you know, how that that Navy-BYU game goes. But now let's jump into the SEC and kind of just finalize our, you know, power three win totals here. And let's start out with Vandy. They are the lowest on our win totals. These are out of 10 SEC games, by the way. And Vandy, uh, we have them coming in at one. Where do you have them? This is a pretty easy pick for me i think at worst you get a push in this uh, on this bet i think at worst vandy wins a game there's no way vanderbilt commodores are going to win two of the 10 games on these schedules i don't see any win they don't even play arkansas which is a potential way to win a game there's no way in hell that vanderbilt finds a way to win two games for me this is a pretty easy under i don't think they win a game and even if they do find a win a game you get a push off this so i'm taking vanderbilt a pretty comfortable under yeah yeah i kind of 
found a different way to get these win totals this week. So the last two weeks we only had like the halves, like the one and a half, two and a half. But this week we do have some some round numbers, which I kind of like having round numbers. It makes it a little more interesting. But but yeah, so for me, Vanderbilt at one, I 100% agree with you. Um, it's possible they find a way to sneak a dub, maybe against South Carolina, maybe against Kentucky, maybe against Ole Miss. Um, you know, maybe even Mississippi State, but I really struggle to see this get, this team winning two two games, and I feel much more comfortable that they don't win a game than I do that they feel two. So I agree. At worst, I think you're going to get a push here. I think this is a pretty easy under for me at Vanderbilt one. Yeah. Speaking of what I think will be another easy under, next up we have Arkansas at one and a half. So this one, obviously, you get a little more comfort than you do with Vanderbilt because – you know, a one still hits as well. And I, I think this is also another very easy under. I think Arkansas is pretty much just as much as a dumpster fire program as Vanderbilt is. They have really fallen off the wagon pretty much since Brett Bielema left. They were horrendous last year, and I think they'll be continue to be horrendous this year. I don't find any, you know, I don't hesitate at all when I when I make those comments. And so I, I really am very low on Arkansas. And obviously now they don't even have an out-of-conference game to lose as well. So I guess maybe that helps them. So uh, I'm going to go the under if you haven't been keeping up with this, uh, even if they win a game somehow. Again, when I talked about Vanderbilt not having Arkansas, that also means Arkansas doesn't even have a potential win against Vanderbilt. And so now they have to find a way to find two wins off the schedule. I just don't see it. Yeah, I actually think Arkansas is a better football team than Vanderbilt. But like you said, they don't play each other. And I think if they did play each other, I would – give Arkansas that win. And because I like their kind of culture that they're going to build with Sam Pittman here coming in, he was the Georgia offensive line coach over the past couple of years. And I like him. I've seen his interviews. I think he's going to bring a good culture, a good hard nosed football style to Arkansas. And I think he over time is going to work, but because they're not playing Vanderbilt and you look at this schedule, how difficult it is. They play Georgia, they play Auburn, they play Tennessee, they play Texas A&M, they play Florida, they play LSU, they play Alabama. It's insane. The only game I think they have a chance at winning really is Missouri. And if this total is at one and a half, then I'm definitely going to take the under. If they played Vanderbilt, then I would maybe pick them to win that game and find another win somewhere on the schedule, get an upset. But because they don't play Vandy and because uh, it's at one and a half, I'm going to take the under. Yep, I very much agree with you on that. All right, so let's jump a little bit up here in the standings. Now we have Missouri, who is at two and a half. All right, this one I think – uh, this one's a little bit tougher. This one, I think they have two wins kind of built into their schedule. I like that they get Vanderbilt and Arkansas at home. And so I think those are two solid wins for Missouri. And so when you look at two and a half and you think about two wins, you just got to find a way to win one more game. And I feel confident about them finding one more game to win. I think whether it be, you know, maybe at Tennessee, maybe Kentucky at home, maybe at South Carolina, I think that's another potential game that they could win i think because i'm not as high on south carolina this year i think missouri i gotta find a i gotta start picking some overs and i feel a little bit confident about missouri i think they definitely beat vanderbilt i think they definitely beat arkansas and they find a way to win one more game somewhere this season yeah i think i agree with that logic um if we're saying missouri is a much better football team than vanderbilt and arkansas talent wise i would agree with that um, every other team they play, it's, they're going to be at a disadvantage. But I, I don't see any reason they can't beat Kentucky at home. They can't beat Mississippi State on the road. They can't beat South Carolina away. So if you're telling me they just need to win one of those games, although it's possible they lose them all, and it's even possible they, they get upset by a Vandy or Arkansas, I think the odds just tell me there's a better chance they end up with three wins than they do with two wins. So 
I'm going to take Missouri to go over two and a half, uh, but let's move on to South Carolina, who is here at three and a half. I am definitely trending down on South Carolina this season, and I don't think their schedule does them any favors. They're one, obviously, I think when I look at these schedules and these lower teams, I look at do they play Vanderbilt and Arkansas. They don't get Arkansas, and even their game against Vanderbilt is on the road, and so I don't feel super great about that. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, I mean, at Florida – at LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, Texas A&M, you know, Georgia, Missouri, at Kentucky. I just don't, you know, they maybe win against Vanderbilt, but then to find three more wins in that schedule, I just don't see it for South Carolina this season. I think this is also the season and maybe the wheels fall off and Will Muschamp is out. Or is, is, is Will Muschamp still the coach? Yeah, he is. I think this is his last season at South Carolina. It hasn't worked. And I don't think it continues to work going forward. Obviously, everyone remembers them as the team last year that upset Georgia. But other than that, they were not a good football program. Only won four games, I believe. So, for me, this is trending down. They don't get Arkansas. They play Vanderbilt on the road. And then if, even if they win that game, they have to find three more wins. This is a pretty easy under for me. Full disclosure, we have Alabama at eight wins. And a lot of people are going to lock up Alabama over eight. I'm locking up South Carolina under three and a half. This team might not win a game, man. Will Muschamp is out after this year. I see no reason to be positive. This schedule is impossible. They're going to lose to Tennessee. They're going to lose to Florida. They might beat Vanderbilt. That's maybe the one win I see, but they're going to lose to Auburn. They're going to lose to LSU. They're going to lose to Mississippi. They're going to lose to Missouri, Texas A&M, Georgia, Kentucky. I just don't feel good about this team. Things have been trending down the past couple of years. They're not bringing anybody in this year that makes me say, wow, that makes me get excited about this team. The schedule is going to be a gauntlet. Uh, maybe they get a win or two, but I'm actually surprised at this number, three and a half. I would lock this up all day if this is still at three and a half in Vegas. That is an insane number to me. There is no way in hell South Carolina gets to four wins. Yeah, I think I was feeling pretty confident about that, and then hearing you back that up, I also feel pretty good about locking it. I'm not going to lock it because I already have something else that's going to lock it. I think you kind of hinted at it, but, um, yeah, I definitely think that they definitely go under. Uh, I just think that this year, well, to kind of make a quick point about the overall view of the SEC with COVID and everything going on and just also the SEC, I think I'm all already seeing myself as going to be over a lot of the higher win totals and under a lot of the lower win totals. I think just the way the SEC works in a shortened off season, um, I, I think that's going to be a theme that you see. I think the, the SEC is going to have a pretty top heavy league this year. Uh, and so I think that's a lot of the reason why I'm so low on these on these lower teams in the SEC. But let's move on. We got – this is where it gets a little tough. The next two up are Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Obviously new coaches this year, Mike Leach of Mississippi State, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, and both come in at four on their win-loss totals. Jacob, why don't you start with Mississippi State? Yeah, I think it's normal to kind of group these two teams together with everything. They're both bringing in kind of the wacky head coaches. They both play in the same state. They both have a rivalry against one another, the Egg Bowl. So it's commonplace to group these two teams together. And here they are both at four. So it's interesting. And I think, uh, I guess common logic kind of tells me I need to pick under for one of them and over for the other. I can see them both getting to around three, four wins. And I think that that Egg Bowl game is going to play huge into who goes over, who goes under here. It's possible they both go under. It's possible they both go over. But common logic, at least in my brain, tells me I need to pick one or the other. And for me, I want to pick Mississippi State as the team that loses that Egg Bowl game. Um, I just believe a little bit more in Lane Kiffin. 
I believe that his style matches up a little bit more with what Mississippi State is, or with with what Ole Miss has already been doing for the past couple of years. I think Mike Leach has a huge turnaround of what he needs to do at Mississippi State, especially talent wise. Um, so I think Mississippi's going to win that game. I think Mississippi's a little bit Mississippi's a little bit better than Mississippi State this year. Um, so I'm going to pick Mississippi State to lose that game. I don't see a ton of other wins on their schedule. I think they'll beat Arkansas. I think they'll probably beat Vandy. Um, I think Missouri and Kentucky will probably be toss-ups. It's possible they get to four, but I see them as a three and seven football team, so I have them under. And if you want me to just go with them both, I have Ole Miss over. Uh, I I could see them easily being four and six. That'd probably be my prediction, honestly. But it's it, at four. I see them more likely at five wins than three. So over for Mississippi, under for Mississippi State. This is very difficult for me. When I look at this Ole Miss schedule, four and six jumps out to me. Arkansas, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and that Mississippi State game, those all see wins. But if you're going to pick over, you would think, okay, another win has to come from somewhere. Is it going to be Florida? I don't know. Is it going to be Al Kentucky? Probably not. Alabama? Definitely not. Probably not Auburn. At Texas A&M? Probably not. And at LSU? I'm not sure. So this schedule to me screams four and six. And I feel like I'm slightly inclined to go under. But then I look at the Mississippi State schedule, and they get Arkansas at home, yeah, and they get Vanderbilt at home, you know, and maybe they do win that Egg Bowl game, but, you know, they get Missouri at home. Oh, this is tough for me. I think I think four and six is the jump out for both of these teams, and I agree with you. I think if you're picking either team, I feel like I feel better about Ole Miss than I do Mississippi State with Lane Kiffin. I think he also obviously has some – he obviously has a lot of – you know, experience in the SEC. He knows what an SEC schedule like. He knows what the SEC grind is like, you know, at his time at his time at Tennessee and his time as the offensive coordinator, you know, at Alabama. So this is tough for me because I just, I think both of these teams are such solid four and six teams. And I hate to continue to agree with you. I wish we thought differently. I really wish that we gave the listeners more to disagree on, but I'm going to have to go with you as well. I'm going to go have to go under Mississippi State. I'm going to go over on, over on Ole Miss. But full disclosure, I don't feel confident about either of these picks. Yeah, I think it would be nice if Vegas kind of gave you the option of picking exactly four, and it was like plus 200 or something like that. That would be that really would be, fun. Yeah, I think that would be a cool idea. Um, I don't think that exists in any sports books, but just throwing it out there for the, you know, the sports book people that are listening. I know it's they're a good listening. idea. I know yeah, they're listening. They're, you know they're listening, so it's a good idea. Maybe plus two hundred, plus two fifty, and you pick a team to go exactly on their win total if it's a round number like these ones are. So, so yeah. But but JT, you're talking about Alabama as a an L for Mississippi. You think Lane Kiffin is gonna let Nick Saban come into his house and get a dub? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I was expecting that answer. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Kentucky. Here they are at five. Um, you know, they're a little bit back to a more normal football team this year after the craziness of having Lynn Bowden as their QB last year. Um, you know, Mark, or, God, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Is it Mark D'Antonio? You're talking about their coach? Or not Mark D'Antonio. What's his name? Is it uh, Mark Stoops? Mark Stoops. That's what it is. Um, yeah, Mark Stoops. And he's been really solid for Kentucky. And this is a kind of a high number at five. It, it, it's so hard to see them getting to six. It's just because of the SEC schedule, but. He's been so solid and everything. I think this is a tough line. So so where do you fall at uh, five for Kentucky? Uh, I feel like I see them as a five and five football team. You know, I have them losing to Auburn. I have them losing to Tennessee, Georgia, 
Alabama and Florida, but you know, I think they can beat South Carolina, Vanderbilt. I think they have I think they're better than Ole Misses and Mississippi State. So then the, the the game that jumps out to me is the at Missouri game, which really could be, you know, the flip flop on that. And I don't know. I just think I think they have five guaranteed losses and I think they have four games they could definitely win. And so even if they win that Missouri game, you don't get a push. And I feel like they're more inclined to lose that game than if they were to win that game and then beat another one of those teams. Don't get me wrong. I'm actually very high on the not very high. I'm solid, pretty, pretty high on Kentucky football right now. And obviously what they have as a program and what they're doing. But I think the schedule for me is not screaming, taken over. It's screaming, taken under. I think the, when we ever get these whole numbers, I think I'm so inclined to just go under. I feel like that's such more of a safe pick when we talk about these middle of the road SEC teams. And I'm going to start getting into some overs that I already have planned coming up later in the schedule. So for Kentucky, I'm going to take an under right now. Um, I agree with you in the fact that the schedule kind of screams five and five. They have five games that kind of pop out as a good chance to win. They have five games that kind of pop out as a good chance to lose. And I think the way you kind of looked at it was they have five guaranteed losses. The way I look at it, I guess, is that I feel like they have like four, four and a half guaranteed wins. And I'm going to believe that they win those five games that they should win. And I'm going to believe that Mark Stoops, being the coach he is, with the roster that he has and the program that he has, he's going to find a way to jump up and beat one of those teams. So I'm going to take Kentucky over, even though I feel very confident about them just landing right on that five and five mark. Yep. All right. So the next up, you got the Tennessee Volunteers. Yes, my team here, Tennessee at five and a half. And I wouldn't be a Tennessee homer. If I didn't take Tennessee over here, I, I, it's six and four. It's going to be tough in a 10 game SEC schedule. It's going to be a grind. I mean, every single schedule I look at, I look at it and I'm like, that's hard. And that's kind of the way it is. It's the SEC. You're playing 10 SEC games. Every game is every schedule is going to be hard. And um, although I may struggle to find the wins and chalk them up, I'm going to believe in Pruitt. I'm going to believe in this program. I'm going to believe in the recruiting that they've had come in over the past two or three years here. And I'm going to believe it. what I saw at the end of the year last year when they won seven out of their last eight games, including the bowl game. And I think they're going to find a way to get to six and four. I am with you. I think this Tennessee volunteer football team is trending up. I like what I see from them. And I also like this schedule. They get South Carolina. They get Vanderbilt. They get Kentucky at home, which I like. They get Missouri at home, which I like. You know, they get, um, I think, I think those are five. Those are the five games. And so I think they've got five really solid wins on this schedule. And I think they find a way. I think this is the year that Tennessee pulls the upset somewhere, whether it be Texas A&M at home is not out of the realm of possibility. Florida even at home is not out of the realm of possibility. You know, I think even at Georgia, maybe that's probably a bit of a stretch, but I think one of those games, they definitely can find a way to win. And I think this is a Tennessee team that, takes care of business on the other five games and I got to start picking some overs I really do and so this is to me is a schedule that pops out as a potential over to take and so I'm going to jump all over it not only do I look at games like Tennessee at home against Texas A&M and again at home against Florida and away as Auburn as games they could win I look at them as games that are damn near toss-ups in my opinion especially Auburn especially Texas A&M Florida's going to be a good football team but Texas A&M is still a team that went 7-5 last year. Yes, they're better. Auburn's still a team that went 
75, 8, and 4, whatever it was last year. So Tennessee, they're going to jump up and be better than they were last year, and they were a 75 team last year. Um, and that's with losing to BYU and I want to say like Georgia State, and they're better this year. I think they're going to be a really good football team. They're going to kind of surprise some people. I know some people have been high on them, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of people have kind of jumped back on the other side and said, all right, let's be cautious here. But uh, kind of like you said, and kind of seems like we're both kind of all in on Tennessee here. It, it could be a year where a lot of these toss-up games don't go their way, but I'm going to bet on them and Jeremy Pruitt and the culture here that they're going to find a way to, to get a few wins that maybe they shouldn't shouldn't get. All right. All right, we move on to the big hitters in this conference. We start with LSU, the defending champion of this conference and the defending champion of all of college football at six and a half. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? I am actually am, yeah. All right, if you're at home, I think you need to sit down for this one because I am fully prepared to take the under on LSU at six and a half. And let me tell you why. This is a football team that, while they were the best team in college football last year, returned five of 22 stars. I'm going to repeat that stat for you. Five of 22 starters when it comes to T players, either that left, obviously, as seniors, left for the draft, or have chosen to opt out of this season. And what made them so great last year was their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. He's gone. This is so much turnover for a football program that, let's be honest, doesn't recruit at the elite levels that Alabama and Georgia recruit at. Now, I will say the schedule lines up a little bit easier. You know, their only really tough games are at Florida, at Auburn, and Alabama at home. But I think they definitely lose those three games. And I also think they lose at Texas A&M on November 28th. They could potentially even lose another game. I think while this is obviously... I think a little bit more of maybe a, one of my surprising picks. I really thought that they they were going to be at seven and a half with just coming off the way last season. I think Vegas is expecting this, uh, and so that's why it's a little low at six and a half. But I think even with that low number, I'm very comfortable jumping on the under for LSU. Yeah, I agree with the fact that uh, I'm a bit surprised with this number. I thought it would be closer to seven, seven and a half, and because of that. Even though all offseason I thought I would take LSU under, no matter what the number was, I look at the schedule like you mentioned, and I've been looking at these schedules all all day here while I've been doing this pod, thinking, wow, hard schedule, hard schedule, hard schedule. I look at LSU's, and I kind of think the opposite. I look at Mississippi State at home, dub. Vanderbilt away, dub. Missouri at home, dub. South Carolina at home, dub. Arkansas on the road, dub. Mississippi at home, dub. And that's six wins. And then I think Texas A&M is a toss-up. I think Auburn's a toss-up. And I think Florida maybe and Alabama aren't toss-ups, but they're going to be games that they can definitely win. Um, I just feel like they're going to win those six games, and I feel like they're going to find a way to win one of those other games. And because of that, uh, because I believe in Coach O, I believe in kind of like I said all offseason, I'm believing in cultures, I'm believing in good head coaches, and, you know, they even have a QB coming in that they believe in. A lot of people are talking up. So I think they find a way to get to seven wins. Yeah, they're losing a lot, but – this is LSU. This isn't, I don't know, Baylor losing a lot. You know what I mean? This is a team that, that, that reloads most years. They don't reload like Alabama or Ohio state, but they're not going to not reload like a Baylor, you know, or an Iowa state. So mm-hmm. I still believe in LSU to reload. I still believe in coach O and mostly because of the schedule, I'm going to take LSU over six and a half. All right. That moves us on to the Auburn Tigers at six and a half yes. as well. Uh, you go first. All right. Uh, so this for me, 
uh, it was very interesting because coming into this coming kind of when I was, you kind of mentioned, you know, you're thinking about this and kind of where you, where you lie on teams going into the season. Auburn wasn't a team that I was super high on, but the more I think about it and the more I look at the schedule, I think I'm leaning over on Auburn. I think six and a half is a pretty favorable number. I think a seven and three is certainly reasonable for an Auburn football program. That's always pretty solid. Oh, and Bo and then I think about it. Bo Nix is coming into a second year. You know, started last year as a true freshman, really had the chance to get his feet wet, and now I think he's got the chance to make a great leap in his second year. And I also think that this schedule works out pretty well. I think they lose to at Georgia and at Alabama, and those are really two tough games. But everything else on the schedule is winnable. Kentucky at home, winnable. Arkansas at home, winnable. Out South Carolina at Ole Miss, winnable. LSU at home. I think they win that game. At Mississippi, at Mississippi State, winnable. Tennessee at home and Texas A&M at home. I think they get a lot of their you know, like middle of the road kind of games at home, which I really like. I think six and a half is a reasonable number to go on. I like Gus Malzahn and I like Bo Nix in his second year. They do lose a lot up front from last year and that that's obviously going to be tough to replace, but I really like Auburn. I think obviously they have some kind of magic at home when they seem, they always seem to have some magic on their home games at uh, Jordan Hare stadium. And so I'm going to take Auburn over six and a half. Um. I look at Auburn and I look at the offense and the way it struggled last year. I look at the way Bo Nix struggled last year and he's just not an accurate quarterback in my opinion. And I struggle to see him fixing that over this one off season, especially a weird off season like this. Um, Gus Malzahn, he finally brings in an offensive coordinator. He brings in Chad Morris. I could see a power struggle there with calling plays between Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris. I could see that getting a bit awkward see that getting a bit weird and then I look at the schedule I guess I'm kind of on the opposite end when I look at the schedule I only see two guaranteed wins here and that's Arkansas and South Carolina every other game for me is going to be um, there's some games are going to be favored in there's some games are going to be not favored in there's going to be some games that they're heavily um, not favored in you know heavily favored to lose and although I think they're going to be a solid football team I just really struggle to see Auburn going seven and three in the SEC that's a really tough record to come out with in the SEC, you've got to be a really good football team because I don't think Bo Nix is, is up to it. And because I like Gus Malzahn, but I see him kind of having a power struggle with Chad Morris. And because I don't love this football schedule and all the toss-ups it presents, I'm going to pick Auburn under six and a half. All right. I feel like a hypocrite when I pick this next over under. It is the Texas A&M Aggies. They're also at six and a half, just like LSU and Auburn. And I think that's actually a pretty justified over under. Now, we are talking earlier, and Texas A&M was my dark horse in the SEC West, and I think I like Kellen Mond as a quarterback. I love Jimbo Fisher as a coach, and I was kind of talking as a potential that this could be the year that if things lined up well, that they might have a chance you know, to make a run, uh, even for an SEC West title and get to the SEC championship game. But I don't know. I just I think there's something holding me back about Texas A&M. I think maybe it's just because I feel like the need to get to seven and seven when it comes to over unders. And right now, uh, because the next I have my next three pretty much locked up, I feel pressure to take Texas A&M and under. And then I look at the schedule. I mean, at Alabama, that seems like a loss. Florida at home seems like a loss. And then at Auburn is a loss. LSU is probably maybe a loss. I don't know. This is just – this is tough for me. I want to take them over, which means I might have to flip one of my previous overs. You know what? I'm prepared to do this. I'm sorry if you've already locked on and locked in one of your previous picks. I am te- taking Texas A&M under, over, and so I'm flipping one of the ones that I was not – flipping one of my overs previously, which I was not con- guaranteed on. 
and that was Ole Miss. I'm going to take under for Ole Miss, and that allows me to take it over for Texas A&M. I, I think they actually – you know what? I'm going to – I'm reconvincing myself. I do love this Texas A&M team. I was feeling bad. I was feeling like a hypocrite picking them under because I felt the pressure to go seven – went over seven unders. But now that I take it – now that I'm taking Ole Miss under, I'm feeling good about this. I've convinced myself in this two-and-a-half-minute rant about Texas A&M. Taking it to the – not to the bank, actually, but Texas A&M, I'll take them over six-and-a-half. Well, that was an emotional roller coaster. I'm sorry I put everybody through that. Uh, um, for me, it's a pretty simple one for me, man. I, I'm not going to go through the schedule, rattle off the dubs. I struggle to kind of do that. But at the same time, I believe in what Jimbo is building here um, in terms of talent especially. I don't know about game day coach, but talent-wise, he's built a hell of a roster here. I don't think they have the hardest schedule in the world. Um, they've got a lot of these tough games at home like LSU and Florida. And because I believe in Kellen Mond, especially in the fourth quarter, I'm going to take Texas A&M over. All right. I like that. I like that. And they avoid Georgia, which I think is pretty big for them. And I think even a lot of their road games are pretty winnable. I think South Carolina's winnable. Mississippi State's winnable. And I think even Auburn at the end of the season is potentially winnable. All right. Talking about Georgia, let's move on to Georgia at seven and a half. This is my lock. This is my lock. Georgia, over seven and a half. For me, this is pretty easy. They have like this one thing has like their full schedule. This is really weird. I don't know if I like this. Look, they're probably going to lose at Alabama, and they're probably going to lose to Florida, but they are miles ahead of every other SEC team that they play on their schedule. The only other team that they play, because they avoid LSU, that is even close to their talent-wise is Auburn, and they get that game at home. They play Vanderbilt. I mean, they get Kentucky, South Carolina on the road, Tennessee at home. I think they're miles ahead of all those teams. Look, even if they lose to Alabama and they lose to Florida, they still have another loss to give before they would go under. And I think they are miles ahead of every other SEC team that they play. And I think just by odds, they find a way to win one of those games, whichever one it is. If you are going to Vegas with your mortgage on the line, my First of two locks in the SEC schedule is Georgia over seven and a half. Yeah, yeah, I agree with – I think you're kind of logic here. I think there's some people that kind of want to lump Florida and Georgia together, similar to the way I lumped Ole Miss and Mississippi State together. I want to say one of these teams has, has to go under, one of these teams has to go over. And I don't necessarily agree with that logic here. I think Georgia and Florida can both go under. I think, like you said, one of those teams could lose that game and then still go over. And I think that's Alabama and still getting to eight wins. Because of that, I'm taking Georgia over, and I kind of touched on it. I'm also taking Florida, who's at seven and a half, over as well. I think they're going to find a way to beat Georgia in that game. I just feel like it's their year to finally do it. And after that um, – they don't have some crazy schedule. They don't play Alabama. Uh, yeah, they play Texas A&M. Tennessee are on the road could be tough, but they get LSU at home. Um, besides that, they play Ole Miss. They play South Carolina. It's not some crazy schedule, and I'm going to pick both of these teams to go over. Yeah, I think – yeah, I – it's very I, – I, for me, I'm very intrigued why a lot of people think with Georgia-Florida, you, you have to take one or the other. You have to take one going over. I definitely don't agree with that. And even Florida, you know, I don't think Florida – I think Florida is still – slightly below Georgia right now when it terms to where the two programs are at. 
but their schedule very favorable. You're right. They avoid Alabama. And I think avoiding Alabama, which for a lot of SEC teams is a guaranteed loss, is huge. I mean, they get Arkansas. They get Vanderbilt. They get South Carolina. They get the third, three worst teams in the SEC. They get Missouri at home. And then if you look at potential losses, Georgia at Texas A&M. And I think their third toughest game is LSU at home. They definitely don't lose all of those three games. They find a way to definitely win one of those. They run through the rest of their schedule. I feel very comfortable about Florida going over seven and a half. All right. The final one here is Alabama, who comes in a nice round eight. Yeah, I mean, you have to hammer over here. I mean, this is my second lock. I mean, I don't know how this isn't at at least eight and a half. In my opinion, if you're going to round this number, it should be at nine. I mean, do they get Georgia? Yes, but that game's at home. They play LSU on the road, but as you kind of heard earlier, I don't, I'm not super high on LSU this year. They get Auburn at home. You know, they get Texas A&M at home. I mean, I really struggle to find where this team is going to lose three games. I mean, you, for this to go under, it ha- they have to lose three games. So at worst, at worst, you get a push here because they go eight and two. You feel very comfortable about that. This is something that you could throw three mortgages down on, in my opinion, if you're concerned. This is the easiest over I've ever picked. This is my second lock when it comes to SEC overs. This is just so easy for me. I just, I honestly, like, I feel, I feel like I should go to Vegas and like put in an application to be an over under win totals because whoever is doing it there right now clearly has no sense of a clue when it comes to making these numbers. Where are you going at this number eight and a half? Oh, over. I don't know if you if that wasn't clear. No, no. If it's at eight and a half, where are you going? Eight and a half. I would probably still go over. I think they beat Georgia at home, and I think another loss there is pretty comfortable. Yeah, obviously at eight, eight and a half, it's it's a little bit tougher, especially with Mac Jones at the helm. But at eight, like you said, uh, there. I mean, yeah, I could see this team losing two games, but there's no way in hell Alabama under Nick Saban is going to lose three football games. Um, I mean, the defense I think is going to be improved. They get one of their best players back. They get a lot of they get a lot of good players back. They have another good recruiting class coming in as they always do. I think last year was a bit fluky with the defense. I think they'll be back to what you expect with Nick Saban on the defensive end. And Mac Jones, he showed some flashes last year. He played well in that Auburn game. He played well when he came in for Tua in the second-to-last game of the year. Um, he played well against Michigan. So I, I think he's a good QB. I think he's a good kind of solid QB, what you expect typically from Alabama until this you know recent era, era over the past three or four years where they've had more explosive QBs. But – even if he doesn't work, I want to say they have Bryce Young just sitting there ready to come in. If Mac Jones doesn't work, don't be surprised if Bryce Young gets time this year. Yeah, Bryce Young's ready if Mac Jones doesn't work. But I think Mac Jones will steady the helm and be pretty solid and at least keep the job for most of the season. And I like Mac Jones. So I think the defense is going to be improved. I think that Mac Jones or Bryce Young, neither of them are going to be huge step downs from Tua, um, mostly because of the talent on the offense that those two guys will have to distribute to if, if it if uh, whoever at the QB ends up being and at eight, like you said, um, this is obviously another lock for me. I'm locking up South Carolina under three and a half, locking up Alabama over eight, put your mortgage on both of those. Yeah, definitely put your mortgage on both of those. I very, I also, I very, I'm, I'm with you on the South Carolina under three and a half. I feel very solid about that as well. And so, yeah, this just seems, I don't know for me, I know I'm being very strong in this Alabama pick for birth, but for me, it's all about the number. I think this is just, 
sometimes when you when you go sports betting, I think you're obviously you're looking at teams, but you're also looking at numbers as well. And this is just a number that I think you you have to jump all over. All right, so that will do it. That was our week zero review. We were five and two on the locks for the weekend. By the time you're listening to this, Army or Navy will probably be playing BYU. We probably already will have. So we'll see if we finish five and three or six and two on the week. Kind of a big difference there. So it's it's a big game for us tomorrow, Monday. Um, but yeah, five and two so far. Week zero, a fun little Saturday we had. SEC win totals. I want to say we disagreed on Ole Miss, um, LSU, Auburn, and I think those are the three. Mm-hmm. And Texas A&M, or no, you actually ended up going over with them. So, yeah, we disagreed on those three. So keep an eye out what happens with those if the season goes forward. But it was a fun pod, and we will be back Thursday morning. We're kind of back into our biweekly groove. I can't promise we'll be biweekly every week, but we definitely will be this week. We'll get together Wednesday night, and we might have a special guest. We might have the homie T-Bone. Can't guarantee he's going to be there, but a decent chance we'll have a T-Bone from 97.1, the fan, on for our Thursday pod. It'd be huge, man. I'd love to see him. I'd love to talk to him again. Yeah, we've had him on for Save the Crew episode. So if we could get him on for something that's different than that, I think that would be the start of a big relationship where we could maybe get him on, you know, once every month or two. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, so we're definitely going to try to start reaching out, maybe get some guys in the media to come on the pod, boost the numbers and boost the excitement and just get some bigger names on here. And even when we don't have media members, we might just might just bring some of our friends on and have some more fun and um it's just been us two ever since we brought it back to the college football podcast so we're excited to maybe start getting some guests in here i'd love to see it man i'd love to get more opinions on here and especially when it comes to to betting you can never have too many opinions so i think it's very good to to have more opinions hear everybody's arguments on things i think it makes you a better better obviously and that's such a big part of our podcast too and also just you know talking about college football through the lens of other people and people have been doing it longer than we have too. And I think that would be something that would be very beneficial and something that would be, it'd be a great addition to, to our podcast, obviously. We will be back Thursday morning at 6 a.m. That was JT Hershowski. I'm Jacob Wilson. Thank you for listening to two guys, one mic.